How's everyone doing? My name is Omar J. De Jesus, and I am the host of Second Chance, Voices of the Unheard. My podcast talks about the second chance people received after doing time in an institution, innocent or guilty, while changing a poisonous narrative of prisoners' perception. For the most part, people returning to society are outcasted. So my job is to give people an opportunity and a platform to tell their story. Everybody deserves a second chance. Everyone on this podcast will be bragging on themselves about all of their accomplishments. So today, I have a special guest, a good friend of mine. I love him. That's my brother. When I came home, he was the first person uh, to show me love. And I really do appreciate that. I'm really grateful. For anyone that knows me, they know that I'm very grateful for all the help. Uh, You know, uh, this is a God-fearing man. Uh, That's my Christian brother also. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Omar. Um, Hello, everybody. My name is Italo Sanchez. Everybody knows me as Polo. I want to thank you, Omar, for giving me the opportunity to be here, to share my story, so everybody can hear my voice, because we all do have voice. Um, yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I really do uh, believe in all my brothers that I uh, come across, um, because a lot of us uh, has been through a struggle, and and we all have a story to tell. Our story is so unique that uh, a lot of people in this world uh, will overlook us because of our past experience, but that doesn't mean that we're not significant. We are uh, loved, we are cared for, um, and yeah, people do make mistakes, uh, but it's not the mistakes uh, that really uh, matter. What matters is how resilient you are and bouncing back to making it count. So honestly, um, everyone uh, story um, on this podcast will uh will definitely resonate especially if you can relate to this man's walk of life so you know um i, I just want to talk a little bit um um you know we both from the street Absolutely. um well we're not from the street anymore um mm-hmm. let's rephrase that we were from the streets and um we changed the way we thought and changed the way we behave and this is the outcome of uh, all that hard work so I'm I'm just curious a little bit. Um, if you could talk about uh, your 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 struggles throughout being in the streets, without even implicating you in anything that's going to put you in a situation, just talk about some of the stuff that you endured as a child growing up. Um, first of all, I was born and raised in Harlem. Harlem. Yeah, we in the building, Stacktown. <laughs> um, I was born and raised there. I was born and raised in the Polo Grounds, actually, on 155th Street, Nath Avenue, across the street from the legendary Rucker Park. Um, I was the only Mexican family that ever, to ever come out the Polo Grounds. So I grew up around nothing but African Americans all my life. So, you know, as a kid growing up, didn't really have uh, my parents to watch over me, to guide me, because they were so busy working. My father and my mother, they made 10 of us. So that was a handful for them. So they had my father, he was the breadwinner. He had to go to work all the time. My mother was behind, going to work. So we didn't have no supervision. We were just out and about. 
So me, I chose to hang out with my boys, my homies in the streets. So, you know, throughout time, we wound up doing stupid things. You know, for us, New York City kids, stupid things was like hopping a train, uh, you know, um, picking fights with uh, uh, guardian angels <laughs> because we don't think they cops. <laughs> you know, like, you know, going cart to cart, graffiti and things like that. But as time went by, we just started doing other stupid things that we should have been doing. So anyway, I wanna go on to the juvenile system at a young age. I caught my first case when I was 13. I went upstate when I was turning 15. I didn't come home to years later. I went right into DOC, graduated the Department of Correction, you know, and then I just been in and out the system since I was like, yeah, 14. And I've been, been in, been in prison for a long time. But uh, throughout all that, I overcame it. I'm home now. I went through a lot though when I was in prison. Um, I was a gang affiliated. It was crazy. That's that's like a whole nother thing. But yeah, I was gang affiliated for a long time. You know, I became a gang member in the streets and then went right, went right into prison. So it was a different, you know, it was a whole different ball game. The streets, the gang, they run a certain way. And in prison, they run another way. <coughs> and that's when you know who your brother is and loyalty and all that other stuff coming to play. But yeah, it was a uh, it was a rough childhood, man, that I had coming out of um, out of these streets. Yeah, um, I can definitely relate because my parents also migrated from um, another country, and uh, in, in pursuit of the American dream. With that came um, a certain expectation for me to live like. So they wanted me to go to school and they wanted me to do that also. But getting caught up with the wrong crowd is what led me astray from my parents' teaching. And it sounds like that also um, in your case. And, you know, and, and, and you know, ch- kids will be kids. And that's 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 the truth, um, you know. Um, Sometimes you got to go astray in order to come back to to them very core values um, that your parents embedded into you when you was a child. Um, so being that your parents is busy making sure they could provide you, you, you and your siblings a place to live and food on the table, um, is it fair to say that because they was busy, um, and like you just said, there was no supervision. You are you the oldest, by the way? Nah, I'm like the fourth. Okay, okay. Starting from the bottom up. Okay. So is it fair to say that because they wasn't around, um, you felt that you had um, lead way to do what you wanted to? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I didn't have no supervision. I didn't have like I, like I grew up with, like a lot of people didn't grow up with parents. I grew up with both parents, yeah. but I tell people that. I didn't really have my parents then because they were so busy working, you know, taking care of what they had to take care of that I was taking care of myself. Yeah. I was the one going out and um, stealing, going to the grocery stores and stealing food, bringing it back, making peanut butter and jelly for my brothers and sisters because my mother and my father are not home. Yeah. You know, even though they working, but we're home 
doing our own thing. You know, we were home um, playing. My sisters are playing makeup. You know, I'm, I'm performing like I'm Michael Jackson <laughs> to entertain them because our TV is broken down. You know, by the time they got, they come home, we already tired. You know, and when they come home, all they want to do is go to sleep, eat, take a shower, go to sleep, leave me alone. So they was they wasn't there for me for going to school. You know, when I was in elementary. They wasn't they can't come to parent days. You know, <laughs> things like that. So I didn't. I, you know, now I'm growing up with my parents. Unfortunately, I still have them. You know, gratefully. And so it's different now. It's our bond is a little more. You know, I forgave them for everything, just like they forgave me for a lot of things. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Supervision. You gotta have supervision. There's no supervision. There's no structure. You're gonna fall into the cracks. You know, you're gonna fall into the streets because the streets is gonna, you know, swallow. Yeah. So you know, the thing is that it it, it did it didn't mean uh, that you didn't come from a good household. Oh, absolutely. You, you came from mm-hmm. a great house. Yeah. But you know, sometimes children do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And just like me, I came from a great household yeah. also. Um, it's just, I was stubborn. Yeah. I liked it to do what I liked it to do. That's right. Which wasn't the, the positive things. And, you know, hanging with the wrong crowd is what initiated it all. Yeah. Although I had freedom of choice mm-hmm. to choose what I wanted to do. I still didn't do what I should have done. And, you know, people come from good households. Yeah. It's ultimately their choice. It's our choice, yeah. And that's you what know, happened with me. And that leads you into a life that people are not really ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't know until you into that situation that causes you that heartache and pain mm-hmm. for you to realize that, you know, how we living isn't correct. So what kind of things you were into? Um, I know you 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 spoke briefly on it, um, but what kind of things that you were into? Like I know you said you 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 was going into the supermarket to get you something to eat and stuff like that. Um, well, little things. It started like said first it started out like stealing things, you know, taking things from here there, and then it started from boosting. You know, we was on our low life polo <laughs> polo down you know so I definitely know about that yeah so we was boosting a lot of polo time hill figures things like that and then it started leading to more escalating escalating exactly like i was never a drug dealer like i was never let's put that on record <laughs> i was never a drug dealer i was the one robbing the drug dealers okay that was my thing my thing i was a stick-up kid Growing up in my time, ever that's what I was. I was a stick up kid. I was doing the opposite. Like everybody was doing the drugs, like yo, they was flipping birds and doing that. To me, I was like, oh, all right, well, you flip that, and I'm gonna come back and get that. You know, what I'm saying? I'll come back and get that. I'll see you in a minute. So as they moving around and you know, and they flossing and doing all this, I'm the young Mexican kid that people didn't really notice. They overlooked you, yeah, because you know I had the long Spanish hair. You know, I'm just in a cut. Smoking my, my little dewy, my little weed, and I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, okay. So that's what they own. Oh, they put it there. Oh, all right. So when when I when I got the drop on them, and then I come, they're like, oh shit, this is the kid. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you know, they start spreading the word, like yo, Spanish yeah. dude from uptown. Uh, you gotta watch out for him or whatever. So it's, it then it started doing things like that. Yeah. But like like you we were saying earlier, it's about the choices. So I started hanging out with some dumb people, like some dumb dumb people. Like, they would be doing a lot of dumb shit, excuse me. But it wound up leading to robberies, you know, 
Like sometimes, with, like but my first one of my first cases I had, not my first case, but like one of the cases I caught when I was young, was we wound up beating up a kid, but we beat him up because it was like a rival, his crew against my crew. Okay. So we beating him up, we got the best of him, and we broke his arm. Oh. And but it was just a fight. Yeah. But when the police came. They started saying, oh, they robbed us, they beat us up. And at that time, I don't know if anybody familiar with Judge Judy. Like, I had Judge Judy Shanna. She said to me in three years, like, this lady was racist to the T. Like, the, 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 the courtroom was just like, it was a kangaroo courtroom. You know, it was, everything was illegal that she did to me. And she sent this to me, so she sent me upstate. But because the kids said that we robbed them. And I was like, yo, it was never a robbery. It was a fight, you know, young kids yeah. fighting, you know. But I got sent up there. And then from there, like I said, I was already a gang affiliated. You know, I was Latin King. And then I went I went upstate, but I didn't, I didn't really know too much when I was a kid about the Latin Kings. Cause mind you, I grew up in Harlem. In Harlem, it was 5 us, Muslims, Black Panthers, you know, like everything that had to do with, with that kind of culture. But I used to hang downtown Manhattan. And downtown Manhattan had the Puerto Ricans, the Latinos, and they crowned me. So I was going back and forth. You know, it was like the best of both worlds because I was bl- I was blending in. But then when I got to prison, that kind of like, I, now it was like, you got to pick a side, you know, because that's that prison is, is segregated. You got the Latinos here, the whites here, the, you know, um, uh, the Morenos over here. So in prison, I kind of went against that. I was just going with everybody. I was hanging out with everybody because I, I didn't have beef with the Bloods and I didn't have beef with the Crips. But the Lion Kings had beef with the Bloods and the Crips. So when it was time to go to war, instead of me going for them, I'm going for somebody that I didn't, I didn't know. Like, if you my man, I can't, I ain't, that was that was the rules, yo. I got you. You got me? We good, you know? All right. We, we be in Kasaki next thing you know. We end up in Comstock. We shake hands and we laugh about it and we joke about it, you know, because we ain't cut each other's face off, <laughs> you know? But, yeah, so it started leading to more serious things. You know, like I said, I was a stick-up kid. So that's what I was basically doing. I was sticking everything up. Whoever had it, I wanted it, you know. And it was, and for me, it was more about the thrill, my adrenaline, my rush of doing it, you know. Because you're right, I did grow up in a good household. I had both parents who worked very hard, who installed um, discipline in, in me and, and morals, and you know, go to church and you know, be respectful and say thank you, sir, close the door behind, you know, pull out the, <laughs> excuse me, pull out the chairs and stuff like that. My father did his stuff. My father, he's, he's a machisto, machisto. Like, he, he's a man's man. You know, like, he, he's a, 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 a one of them real macho kind of guys. So he, not, he didn't play that. So when he heard about me doing things in the streets, like, he'll check me, you know, and he'll tell me, like, yo, you know where you're heading to, right? You know where that's going to lead you to. Don't bring that to my doorstep. You can't be in my house if you're going to continue to do that, you know, because then they started finding bullets. But I got that from my father. Because okay. my father had guns for days, yeah. bullets, and, you know, ATF. I remember one time ATF came and they, they raided the whole house. They took over 14 guns. Wow. And my mother got locked up because my father put all the um, put all, all her information into the guns. So when they came, they arrested her. They didn't arrest him. You know, like that's what my father always did. Like that was his little scheme. Like he didn't want nothing in his name. He put it all in my mother's name. So in case something happened, there's a car accident, the car's in my mother. You know, like everything he'll pull in my mom's. 
But I got that from him. Like, you know, he used to go hunting. And I used to go with him when I was a kid. And I used to see the guns and stuff like that. So that one, that was already in my head. Like, you know, like, I got, I got guns. Like, you know, I used to dudes be like, yo, we got to get him. We got to get a gun. And I used to be like, oh, shit, I got a gun. I could get a gun. That's, <laughs> not, that's nothing. <laughs> what you need, shotgun? What you need, revolvers? Like, we got guns. That wasn't nothing. So... That's how that, you know, that kind of, I mean, not to blame my father, nothing like that. No, no, it's not, you know. it's not his blame. <clears throat> nah. It's like you said, ultimately, your choice. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, because what you've seen, you know, uh, it doesn't mean that you had to indulge in that. You chose to do that. So, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, like I always say in every uh, session that I record, I deal with self-doubt a lot. Sometimes I think I'm not good enough. Mm. Um, but that's just my flaw. And not just the flaw, I have numerous flaws. I'm not perfect. I'm, uh, you know me for a while now. Yeah. Um, I'm not perfect. I don't claim to be perfect. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I struggle with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Even after the, my mother's death recently, mm -hmm. I'm still dealing with that. I'm running through her medical records and I'm looking through that. And it's 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 sentimental because I, I'm reading it and I'm looking at some of the stuff that she's experienced. Mm. And it's rough. Now, I'm just curious. Do you struggle with self-doubt? And if you do struggle with self-doubt, how do you how do you deal with it? Like, what do you what do you use as a conduit to get through that? Yes, I do. I actually I absolutely do. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough that I'm supposed to be doing, you know. So because I like to push myself, but sometimes I push myself too much, and then I start doubting myself. I'm like, damn, did I do a good job? Did I handle that the right way? You know, but. I think, I think we all go through that. You know, we all go through it. You know, that's a struggle, an everyday struggle that we gotta go through. You know, like since I've been home, God willing, next month I'll make four years. Amen. Thank you. Definitely, definitely amen. I'll make four years that I've been home from prison. And I was thinking about it last night, actually, when I was with my family. Cause they, you know, it's crazy, right? Because yesterday I was like Mexican family thing. So they got like my yachis and stuff like that. A live band. The guys that was there about seven years ago came to my aunt's funeral when she passed away. They remembered me. And they remember when they saw me, they was like, oh shit, you was the one that was handcuffed, right? You had the uniform. And I looked at them, I was like, oh, I remember y'all playing the music in the back. So they they started dedicating songs to me. Wow, that's a blessing, man. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, they're like, yo, this is for you, man. Welcome home. And you know, on the mic and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, they remember, you know, like that's. And so it made me think. So th as I was sitting with them, they was asking me like a hundred questions about prison, why I went to prison, yeah. and so forth, so forth. So I just sat there, and you know, we just started having the conversation, and it, the conversation lasted for, like two hours, just wow. just having conversations. But it was, you know, people was intrigued, like people was really sitting there listening, and you know, the music. They put it on radio now, just let the music, let yeah. the girls and the kids dance as we sit in there building. But yeah, it's a, it's a struggle, man. It's an everyday struggle that we gotta go through this, man. Yeah. So what I do is just, I try to stay as busy as I can, man. Thank God I'm working right now. You know, I'm here as a staff member in Nostro House, where I resign at. You know, I work for Thrive for Life. I've been with them since the beginning. Thank you to Brother Zach, Deacon Zach. Um, you know, I work for the union. I'm with Local 79. So right now I'm like kind of going back and forth with Local 79 due to this the pandemic, the COVID and stuff like that. So it's a lot of favoritism too. You know, people 
take their family over people they don't really know, which I understand, you know, keep them busy. And um, I also work with Alex. He's an architect in the morning that I do with him. You know, he's a great guy. So I stay busy, man. That's like my main thing. But I do got self-doubt a lot of times. I do come across that. But the way I, 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 me personally, the way I handle that is I just stay busy, you know. Man, sometimes I don't even have time for myself. Yeah. You know, like sometimes I only got time to clean up my room, you know. And then I sit there and I debate and I be like, yo, I got to get up. I got to get up. I got to clean it. But I'm not really too focused on that. I'm worried about Monday coming, boom, back to work, back on the grind, you know? It's like I want to get everything else perfect, but I'm not getting my room perfect, okay. you know? And, you know, and before, it wasn't like that. Yeah. But, you know, but I'm like I said, I'm glad that I'm working, you know? That's the that's the most important thing. Because when you don't have work, then you'll be sitting there like, damn, I wish I had a job. Damn, yeah. I wish I had an opportunity to start working and getting busy. That's again. a fact. Uh, you, yeah. know, you know what they say uh, in the Bible? Uh, the scripture says, idle mind is the devil's That's playground. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're not busy, um, there's a good chance of you um, thinking about something yeah. that, that, that might lead you into something you don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. Be into, be in, uh, you know, so. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I like to keep honest, be honest on this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so what, what landed you in prison? Um, what, landed, what landed you in prison? Um, well, for the last time that I went to prison, I went to prison for possession of a loaded weapon. Okay. It was for a re, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't had nothing to do with that shit. Oh, excuse my language. I ain't had nothing to do with that. Um, a friend of mine's, I wasn't, even, I wasn't even living in the hood no more. I was living in a nice apartment downtown, low east side. Manhattan <clears throat> with a balcony doing good for myself just got off parole the whole nines everything doing very good working uh, got my um, passport traveling the world like really living my life like just you know came home looking nice still I ain't had no cuts in my face still had my hair nice and healthy living life going to Ibiza going to Madrid going to Jamaica just traveling <laughs> you know got my car Got every, everything, everything is looking beautiful. And then I go visit the hood I used to live at, in the polo grounds. And, you know, I see people there that I know from back in the days. So, you know, I love I love to play dice, you know. <laughs> I love to gamble, especially with dice, you know. So that's my game. I, I love that game. I, I can never, I, you know, I can never get rid of that. I don't care. Okay. Like, I can go in the corner right now and they, and they playing, I'm going to put something down. Like, which which one are you talking about? CeeLo or, or, or Craps? CeeLo. Okay. Craps is good. Craps is when I go out of town. Yeah. But CeeLo, that's when I'm in town. Yeah, that's that hood shit. Yeah, that's that hood. That's the hood. <laughs> so when I'm there, I, they, they roll the dice. So, you know, I'm in the hood. What happens? In the hood, it's not like I'm living downtown Manhattan, downtown Manhattan. I get a nice drink. I get a nice well drink, sit down, have a conversation, eat, having a great time. In the hood, let me get a, you know, let me get a, a gallon of Henny, you know, let me get the, you know, a big bottle, you know, like, you know, that's the hood. You got one bottle for yourself, a whole gallon in your hand, and you rolling dice and you popping shit, you know, but you having a good time because yeah. these are, you know, these are the people, these are homies. That's recreation for That's us. rec. That's right for us. In the city. That's it. And when we see, you know, we see one time, it's like, oh shit, Teddy, we just put the shit away. You know, put it to the side and go about our business. So as this was happening, my childhood friend of mine, who, you know, at the time was my friend, friend, he was across the street in another park and he was sitting there. He's a Latino. He's Puerto Rican. 
So like I said, we didn't grow up in, in the polo ground. It wasn't a lot of Spanish people growing up. He grew up with me. So he was one of the Puerto Rican families. It was like seven at the time, years ago, that grew up there. So, but everybody knew him, but he was so small. As time going by, mm-hmm. people start to forget you because you're not coming up no more as you're the only Spanish people and there's more Spanish people moving in. Yeah. You know, it's like they, and, and now you're not even, you live in the hood, but you're walking around with jewelry all the time. And you're like five, five, six, you know, you know, five, six. So people looking at you like, yo, you know, so they're going to test you. So I used to always tell them, you still live here. Like, yo, tuck your stuff in, you know, don't wear that around here. You know how it is. People don't respect you here. You don't fight here. You, you never put in no work. You never did nothing, you know, in here. So they're going to test you. So sure enough, that's that day they robbed them. Mm. So when they robbed them, because of me drinking Hennessy and thinking I'm back in this in, in the hood, he called me, his brother called me actually, and told me he got robbed. And when he told me he got robbed, I was like, what? I just lost it. Cause I'm like, that's my little man. Like, you robbed him, you robbed me. Like, y'all, y'all, y'all don't know that's my man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the, you know, to me it was like a disrespect, sign of disrespect. Like, you robbed my man. And you, I'm like, so I went, I went all out. I went crazy, chasing the guys, chasing dudes down, you know, running down. He had someone do it. I'm running down to people. So it lasted for like three days. So one day we ran down to one of the guys that was there. One of the dudes that was there, he pulled out the gun. I smacked the gun out of his hand because there was a kid there with the girl. That girl later on, wanted to call, she's the one that wanted to call the police. Okay. When she walked away. So when the police came, the gun, when I smacked it, he threw the gun into the bushes. We was there drinking. So when the police came, I'm not thinking nothing because I ain't got nothing on me. So they like, oh, so they they, they like, oh, what you doing? I said, yo, I'm drinking, man. Yo, just give me my ticket, man. Get out of here. You know, like I was real rude with them. So he started going around, looking in the bushes. He found, he took out his pencil and he picked up the gun. He said, who gun is that? So when he looking at me, I'm like, that shit ain't mine, <laughs> you know? So it was like 11 of us. So out of 11, four people, when we went to the precinct, said it was my gun. And the four people that was there was, all, I grew up with all of them. Okay. And the four people, the two main people, the one that called me, his brother, and his brother was the one that told police that was my gun. So here I go, here I am going all out, going all crazy to get your jury back and you know, to put some type of respect, you know, back in your name. And you turn around and you tell police, that's my gun. And you you never had a case in your life, not one record, not a lick, you know. They would have probably, and then kind of find out as I'm locked up and they don't let me go, that same, within two hours, as I'm sitting in the precinct, the guy that robbed them, they put him right next, next door to me. And he, I mean, he talking to me. I said, yo, I want to talk. I said, yo, you know what it is. You know what? Because I'm so stuck. Yeah, I'm yeah. not thinking they snitch, they snitch on me. Yeah, I'm like, nigga, you, you know what it is. When we get to the island, you already know. And they kind of find out. He's telling me, he like, yo, your man just called the cops on me, man. Wow. I'm like, what? I'm like, what you mean? Like, if you was going to, you should have done that for the beginning. I would have never got involved in that. You know, if you was going to do that, if you was going to play that card. So I was like, yo, you serious? And everything just started kicking and everything. Like, I had to pay lawyers. I had trying to fight the case. I, I fought it for two years. I fought it for two years. But then when it was time for the DNA, I thought I was good. 
Yeah. I was like, yeah, let's do it. They took the swap. It came back 1.5% of my fingerprint on the barrel. And that was for me smacking it. It was seven, it was seven fingerprints on the gun. <clears throat> and, and But they didn't get charged, the, the other people. Oh, wow. You so they don't care. I'm the only one. So they don't care about the other seven people. Because to them, it's like, okay, seven, seven fingerprints. Yeah. But we didn't see them. We saw you throw the gun. I was like, you didn't see. That was my whole defense. My whole defense was, you didn't see me throw no gun? <laughs> you lying. It's their word against yours. Exactly. And then it's your, your record from you. So I already got bio. stick ups. I already yeah. got gun possessions. I already got um, arm, strong arm robberies. I already yeah. got uh, um, uh, um, assaults. You know, I already got, you know, I got all that, you know, in, on, on my on my stuff. I already got that attempt, you know, when I was a kid. I already, like, all that is in my, in, 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 in my, um, in my file, yeah. you know. So my file look like, yo, you's a deli, you minister to society, yeah. you you yeah. a gun trigger, yeah. you know, clapping, do, 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 do. You know, I don't got drugs. All mine's is violence, yeah. you know? All my all my cases is violence. Even upstate, when I was upstate, I never had no drug possession, dirty urine. All mine's was fighting, cutting, um, riots uh, against the administration, you know, all that other stuff. Everything was just violence, you know? Wow. I did four years in a, um, in a box in Southport Correctional Facility. I did four years straight. You know, I kind of lost my mind. I think I found it. <laughs> four years in the box. Four years in the box. Wow. <clears throat> in South Texas, wow. I did four years straight in the wow. box. And um, in Southport, I opened up an upstate box, got transferred and went to Southport because I got kicked out of um, upstate. Like I said, I was I was really into that gang life at that time. Wow. So yeah, um, so yeah, I got you know. Yeah, so that's why I got locked up for my last time was for uh, um, possession of a loaded weapon. Okay, so so mm-hmm. being loyal to the wrong cause can be your downfall. Mm-hmm. Amen. Because you was loyal to your friend, yeah. but your friend wasn't loyal to you yeah. um, because it wasn't your gun. Actually, you was innocent. Mm-hmm. And that's why I do what I do. Because your story is unique and it's and it needs to be told. And I and I truly do hope, Omar, that somebody out there is listening and and they ain't the same predicament I've ever been listening. Trust me. Forget about these people, you know, like your so-called mans in them. Cause at the end of the day, you're gonna get fucked over. Yeah. You know, and I got fucked over. And it's just somebody I grew up with, you know. We slept in the same bed. You know, the whole nines. Like, that's my homeboy. You know, that's how we, you know, growing up playing Nintendo, just sitting there, laying down, falling out. You know, breaking bread, putting bread on ketchup. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. our parents is not home. <clears throat> and we try to get the mail. I'm stealing stuff at the store, you know, to bring it back to my, my homies, you know, like, to go all out for them. And it's the same thing with this gang life. This gang life, that shit wasn't about nothing. You know, after all these years, I got a piece of paper. There's <laughs> a page and a half. I still got it in my mother's house. There's a page and a half. Like, thank you for your services. Make sure you teach the young, the young, the younger ones coming the ropes. Yeah. Like, so, so, so they wanted you to perpetuate uh-huh. a, a vicious cycle mm-hmm. that's going to entrap mm-hmm. people into the same journey that you experienced, yeah. so they can experience. Mm-hmm. The adversities that you experienced, yeah. and it's terrible because that's the mindset that a lot of people have growing up in our hood yeah. and in cities like ours. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's not gonna get you nowhere. It's, it's either not. gonna get you two places: prison or the cemetery. Yeah. And you know, for us, it's a blessing that we went to prison. Yeah, absolutely. Because 
we, for the most part, a lot of us learned from our experiences. Mm-hmm. Some people don't get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Some people don't even come back from prison. They don't. And I'm quite sure you know and have met numerous people. I was one of them. That <laughs> don't have another chance to even come home. I was one of them. Old. So when I went back upstate this time, old, I almost caught a body. I put a dude in a coma for 90 days in Comstock. Wow. While I'm in the box, they gave me two years in the box. While I'm in the box, and mind you, this is self-defense. Mind you, I went to prison for not doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? I played myself and got involved in something stupid that I could have been like, you know what? I ain't got nothing to do with that. You got robbed. I didn't get robbed. But because of this loyalty, I went all out for you. I went to prison. Now when I go back to prison, now I'm not gangbanging no more. Because I'm like, yo, I'm done with this, you know? Like, I'm done with this. So now as I'm going through the yard, I'm telling dudes I'm done with it. They trying to come at me. But the dudes, the older generation, the new new generation trying to come at me. The older generation, they know what time it is. They know I set, they know how I planted this. They know how I did this already. They respect it. They respect, they they like, it ain't got nothing to do with it. But the younger generation, they don't know me. You know, they young with the tight ass jeans, you know, just, you know, got their <laughs> jeans hanging out their ass and them shit is so tight, you can't even pull them up. So, you know, they like on some, but they fear me too. And that was, that was another thing. Like I had to be very careful because fear could get you killed fast. Definitely. Definitely. So while I'm in there, it was, this, make a long story short, it was a dude, he tried to front on me, you know, so they sent them at me. Wow. So instead of Latin Kings coming to me directly, Send some guys. Yeah, they like yo. Sideline you. Yeah, so they talked to the other dudes like yo, cause I was my mind you, I'm Mexican. Mexicans wasn't deep when I was in prison the first time. It was they was like at four, maybe three, and that'd be maximum secure prison, you know, cause I did want my bed in max behind the wall. So now when I when I go back this time, now I see mad Mexicans, you know. But now that I'm playing neutral, you know, I'm just doing me. Like I'm always a king. Like I tell people, I'm always a king. Because I'm going to carry myself as a king, you know? We all kings in we, general. Exactly. Whether you affiliate or not, mm-hmm. we are kings. We are you kings. from that lineage. Yeah, got you. That's not blood. That's right. So as I'm going through the yard, they, they respect me, but I'm not I'm not with the bullshit that they're doing, the new stuff. You know, I'm old school, so I'm not with that. So if you with me, you rock with me, or I ain't rocking with you, that's it. So so they sent this dude at me because the Mexicans try to holler at me. They trying to recruit me. I'm like, nah, papa, like, I ain't with that. Like, I'm good, man. Like, you know, it's that raza, I'm good. I'm here for y'all, but I'm not joining your clique. So they felt some way, because they're like, yo, this dude know English, his swag. Look at where he talk. He hangs out with everybody. They know him. So what they do, they send this dude at me, like, yo, go get him. So I just finished doing my set, which was, this was like the, this is like a bad time this dude could have caught me. I just finished working. <laughs> I just finished working out. Oh. So my that, blood is pump, like that pump. That your blood was flowing. I, I'm walking through the yard, <laughs> and my son and my son Goldo from Bushwick like, yo, yo, low, sunshine, son, son, I'm about to come get you. I'm like, hmm. He like son right there. So when I look, it's mad hot outside. He the only one with a hoodie. Oh, I say you. Well, I that's say more than I Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I got the, you know, I got the thing with me. So I give it to gold. I said, man, I don't even need this. I'm going to fuck this nigga up. So I put the gloves on, and I just walk right to him. And as I'm walking right to him, I just see this big-ass shank getting pulled out. I just remember the sun hitting, and that shit was like, bing. And my my eyes went open. I, I just went I just went into to beast mode, and I just went in on him. Boom, 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 boom. And then all I remember is the police grabbing me and hitting me with the batons. 
because all I saw was blood. Like my, my, I just blanked out. I was stomping him out. I broke his jaw. I fractured, you know, put him in concussion. I didn't even know I was doing all that because I felt my life was in danger. I'm gonna protect myself. You know, even when I went to the tear here and they was like, oh, well, you know, you could have just went to the officer. I'm like, what are you talking about? You want me to get stabbed up and then go to the police and be like, hey, listen, he's stabbing me up. What y'all going to do? Like, you know, <laughs> that don't even make no sense. You you think you think that kid is going to let me walk out this yard? No, he had a mission. His mission was to get me before the go back, before, the, you know, before they close this so yard. Go back. Yeah. You know, yeah. And blend in with the crowd. It blend in, hit me up, punching my lungs or something. I'd have been dead, you know. But I got the word because Goto, that's a loyal dude. Shout out to my boy Goto, man, from Bushwick. You know what you know? <laughs> and, you know, he, 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 that's my boy, too. That's my bro, man, bad boy. He did his thing. And he told me, he was like, yo, and he was supposed to do that. But he real, you know? He, he's loyal. He know, he know that was, you know, that was a mess up move that they put on me, you know? They put a hit out on me for no reason because I'm not mangling with this new thing that's going on. So, yeah, loyalty, man. Loyalty is crazy, man. You got to, you know. You know, people don't understand the meaning of loyalty nowadays. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's just like a fast, a fashion statement that people just just say just to, you know, uh, sound cool. But true meaning of loyalty is standing behind something you believe in, no matter what, without bending or folding. So how much time was you facing um, when you was initially uh, arrested? This one here I was facing for the last one because I'm a a predicate. I was facing over... 18 years. Wow. Yeah, 18 wow. years for a gun. Wow. 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 18 years for a gun. That's sad. Yeah. Our laws is so terrible. That oh, nah. They already told me. Um, when I got out, um, the, it's called the gun hole. Oh. They came and got me from parole. Took me to the Bronx. I don't forget this old. Took me to the Bronx and, and, and right here because I was living in the Bronx. Took me to the Bronx courthouse. Put me in a room. Set me down like I'm sitting with you right now. But on that side... You're the uh, district uh, uh, um, um, attorney, uh, attorney, the judge, uh, the it was the 40th precinct. Like they had all these people from the Bronx, uh, all um, you know, um, legals and um, judges and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there, and there's an envelope right in front of me. And the judge, like Mr. Sanchez, glad you're home. Welcome back to society. Do me a favor, open up that envelope. I took out the envelope. In the envelope, it had my picture the day I got released from, um, when I got to parole. And I looked and I was like, she was like, um, turn the picture around. Turn mm-hmm. the picture around. It says life. She said, if I ever see you in my courthouse again, that is the minimum that I'm giving you. Life is life. the minimum, the minimum <laughs> that she will give, give you me. if you break the law. Her laws in New York State. And I looked at her, my hairs went up. Because, you know, I'm just coming home and I'm like, what the hell? But I thanked her. I said, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. You know, that's definitely, this ain't an hour waking up for anybody. Then, then. Yeah, but that was to deter you from yeah. even thinking, thinking about doing something that's yeah. going to be uh, detrimental yeah. to you yeah. and your family. So that was a crazy, crazy day. Wow. I was like, and I'm just coming home, man. I ain't thinking about going back to prison. Like, you know, I'm just so blessed now to be here, man. I'm here, I'm blessed to be right here with you, O, you know, to share my story, to get some words out there. Hopefully some brothers and sisters probably pick up on this and say, you know what, let me not go that route, you know? Because it's, you know, it's not it, man. It's not the move, man. Prison ain't the move. That's whack, man. It never was the move. It was never, yeah. Sometimes we, Mm -hmm. we... We use that as a badge of honor. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, that's that's a poor 
poor mind state mm-hmm. of anybody who uses prison as a badge. Yeah. Prison should never be a badge. Nah. Prison should have never been our reality. Yep. But unfortunately, right, that was our badge. Because when I was growing up, and it used, like we used to be in the, in the, on the streets, and I see Omar coming down, and he a little swollen. They're like, yo, he just came out of Sparfa. Everybody like, wow, he went to Sparfa? You, you feel me? Like, you know, he went to Sparfa. And then next thing you know, the other dude come out. He's swollen. Yo, he just came from up north. Oh, he was upstate. upstate. Cause we were so close-minded. Like, we just from the city. Like, yeah. me, I was just from Harlem. Like, I didn't think outside of Harlem. Yeah. So upstate was like, far. Like, that was like... Oh, they, you know, in the movies, they sent him, right. put him on a plane and sent him somewhere deep. You know, now he's back into society. Like, you know, he's a killer. He's a, you know, but it is right though. That's what, you know, growing up, that's what happens in the hood. Everybody see that as a badge. Like, yeah, he got his first tattoo. You know, you know, he got a teardrop. You know, he caught a body. Like, you know, those like, you know, yeah, that shit is whack. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a, that's, that's, that's a, a, a narrative that I want to change. Yeah. Because there's nothing... The life of coming home from prison. There's nothing positive of coming home from prison. People use that as a form of of entitlement. Okay, you know, when I come home, people is gonna look out for me. People gonna do this for me because I came home from prison and that. People don't owe you anything, honestly. If you went to prison, if they don't love you and and they don't care for you, they don't really care if you went to prison. It's just another thing that. People gonna talk about, you know. Mm-hmm. We need to change that mind state because there's nothing positive about prison, even going through it. Yeah, um, not at all, man. It's not, you know. I'm not even gonna ask you about your negative experiences because I'm not gonna front, man. You had more than enough to share about that. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna even ask about um, the violent acts that you seen while you was in prison oh, because man, I mean, you yeah. you described <laughs> a lot, and and you know you you've been around the state. Yeah, I've been to every, I've been to every maximum secure prison in New York State besides, this is the only ones I haven't been in, like the, 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 the like the ordinary jails, like, like, you know, the ones down, down, like, uh, Greenhaven, uh, Nat Nat, Shawanga, Sullivan, like those kind of jails, like, you know, down there, okay. everything up top, I'm going to hit everything up top, I'm just, I'm going to dig the swing, I'm going to dig Comstock, Kasaki, Elmira, Auburn, Attica, Clinton, um, Wendy's, um, I did Southport, I did Upstate, <laughs> I opened up Upstate Box, I was in Orleans Box, I was in Marcy Box, I was in Mid State Box, I was in Green Box, I was in Kasaki Box, I was in um, Orleans Box, um, shit, <laughs> I was in all the boxes. Yeah, you definitely was on the wheel. Yeah, I was on the yeah, yeah, I was on that bus. <laughs> There's just one thing I wanna mm-hmm. I wanna correct you on. And you my brother and I mm-hmm. love you. And and you know, if you see something I do or say, I want you to correct me too mm-hmm. too because I give you that permission. I, mm-hmm. I want you to I want you to understand that there's not when you when you just said uh jails that's honor honorable, mm-hmm. I, I you know, I, I beg the difference. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because I don't I don't think there's nothing honorable about prison. Though they use that Mm-hmm. So we can get comfortable with the idea that it's a privilege to be at that jail. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't not, think. I don't think prison. Not uh, honorable. Not honorable. But like when I was coming up in the system back in the days, 
those, when we say honorable, those are the jails you're trying to get to okay. to get close to home. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Not saying, oh, he's been a good fellow. Yeah. Nah, this for brothers. That, let me correct it. Thank you for correcting me out. Oh, after doing 25 years or 20 years, and you finally get to go down to the city, you know, that's like an honor. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, he went to that jail to get his trellis, to be closer to his family. You know what I mean? It's, it's making it easier for your family to visit you an hour, two hour trip. You know what I mean? So not honorable, not an honorable jail like, yo, they rats or them niggas snitched. You know, not, not, not honorable like, yo, he got his, he got his title, he got his chance, he yeah. took it, now he's down there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you are right, let me correct that. But that is like when I was growing up, when I was coming in the system, that's how it was. Cause I used to be like, damn yo, I'm tired of being in Attica. Like, man, my, yo, it take him like eight, nine hours to get up here. You know, even like, more, even more. And so the older, older dudes, but man, you better go get to one of them honorable jobs. You better get, you, um, you better get your GED and um, get a college and go down to um to um the or, swing, the swing or, or something. Or Easton. You or, see what I'm saying? So yeah. that's the kind of when I mean honorable, it's like you know, and that, and that but you're right. Thank you for correcting me. But yeah, but they take you down there for those. And I used to be like, damn, how am I get down there? They're like, yo. You better take that that you better yeah. take that course. Yeah. Like for real. Oh, I bet. You know, just like when people was going to Clinton, when you had that body, people going to Clinton, they gotta take um that 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 program, what was it called? Um Mary uh in Clinton, um Oh, oh you told me um Cooper um Mary Cooper. Mary Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're like, yo, you better go get that. Yeah. You know, if you get that, then you could probably get some time reduced, yeah. you could probably you know Mary what I mean? You could probably get moved down. So that was like it, it, and that's crazy because that's you know, that's how it is in prison. Like, we trying to find ways to trying to get around the system, but in a good way, though, to, yeah. you know, to, to make it good for us. Like, how come yeah. my family come visit yeah. me and I'm married to my wife? Yeah. You know, I'm in, I'm in, um, let's say I'm in Attica. No, Attica got trucks. Um, let's say um, I'm in, I'm in Comstock. I think so. I forgot. But in one of the jails where they don't have thing, eventually, you're like, yo, I need to make it down to the, to the swing. Or I need to make it down to go to, to the Hafe. Or Sullivan to start getting these trellis, trellis and start making a kid or something, yeah. you know. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I'm glad that you uh you corrected yourself because yeah. there's there's a mind state that comes with words mm-hmm. and paying atten- attention to language and knowing that behind the words we use Absolutely. has a lot of power. Absolutely. So when you say honorable, people tend to think, think it's that. Like, yeah. You know, uh, that's the move. <laughs> to be proud, yeah, honor. That's the move, you know, nah. proud. That's the move when it really isn't. It's not. You know, but this is the the, the way they excuse my French, but mind fuckers yeah. into believing that it's mm-hmm. a privilege to be at this jail mm-hmm. because you know there's there's not no privilege. And I get what you're saying. Yeah. We we doing it for our family. For our family, so yeah. they can be closer. So yeah. we don't. It won't be an inconvenience yeah. for them to travel to come see us. Mm-hmm. So I, I get what you're saying. Um, and yeah. I and I thank you for uh, for correcting yourself for yeah, that too. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so what type of people that you was around in prison? Um, yeah, just just are there any like positive brothers that you want to shout out, or even was around while you was incarcerated that oh, that help help you change your mind state or mindset into this this awesome person that you are today? Um, you know, cause I'm gonna shout out one person. Okay, that my. You know, hopefully, God willing, he gets. You know, they, they deny his appeal. But hopefully, he'll get another chance to come home. He, you know, Chino Blast, man, freedom, bro, Chino Blast. Um, he he told me he taught me some. 
Me and Chino came up in this system together. Okay. He came up in 94. I came up in 98. I got locked up in 98, came up in 99. So, when, um, in the system, in DOC. But we, we knew each other kids, you know what I'm saying? DFI, you know what I'm saying? So, it's crazy because, mind you, I'm about to turn 40 next year, next month, thank God, big fall. <laughs> and throughout the, throughout my childhood year, me and this guy was going jail to jail, okay. juvenile facilities. I came home, got out. He came home, got out. He caught two bodies. Oh, man. Since 16 to, to now, so now he's like 41, maybe 42 years old, he's still been in prison that whole time. And they're not letting the man go. And this man, and he's known throughout the state, like the whole nine yards. So now when I went back to prison again as an adult, he'd been watching me go in and out of prison. He haven't had the opportunity to get out. He not seen his brother get killed. He not seen his family members dying. And, you know, he's just hearing about what's going on in the streets. So here I come back again to prison. Boom. And he like, yo, low, what up, man? I'm like... Yo, what's good, bro? I, t- I talked to you outside. He like, nah, man, get the fuck out of here, man. You serious? You serious, bro? Now he, now he real mad at me. And I'm like, yo, what? So he sent me a letter. He like, yo, where the PB? So PB is his brother. God bless PB. So he like, where the PB? Don't talk to me right now, bro. Don't talk to me. And I'm like, oh, he's serious. So finally, when I did get to speak to him, when we got to chat down, he started crying, breaking down. He like, yo, my nigga, you went home, bro. You was writing me from the streets. You used to send me cars when you was in Jamaica and this place, and you sending me pictures, you know? Like, I ain't even get to go home yet, bro. And you here fucking up. So that opened up my eyes, you know? And then it brought me back to reality. Well, you know, like I'm back in prison. And as we talking, he like, yo, I gotta go, man. I gotta go to yard. I'm about to go gun it out with this dude. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, it just brought me back like that fast. He's showing me the the the, the 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 big shit. I'm like, he give me a hug. He said, yo, I'll catch you when I catch you. I'll see you when I see you. And he kept it moving on me. And I'm like, God damn, you know, so it, that was a reality. That was a wake-up call to me. That was like, yo, get your shit together, bro, or you gonna be in here with me. Like, you know, this is what I'm doing. You know, this is this, what I'm doing. I'm gunning down everything, you know. I'm running down on whoever. They got the bag, I want the bag, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, damn. Wow. You know? That's, you know? that's, that's, that's so, you know. Shout um, out to the bro. You, you can learn a lesson from a gem like him. Yeah. Um, and, and you did. Yeah. Because you see that if you didn't change your mindset and everything else about you, there was a good chance of you staying in prison like this brother is uh, been for for over 25 years. Yeah. Um, so what were your your accomplishments during prison? Like, well, in what, the be- what, what are some of the good stuff that you've done? In the beginning of my sentence, on my first bid, I had no accomplishments. No accomplishments. None. Okay. None. Not a lick. At that time, you didn't. At that time in the state, you didn't have to go to school. Okay. It wasn't man. It is not like now. It's mandated, man and you go yeah. right up. Nah, back then, I ain't going to school. I'm idle. Okay. I'm running around the yard. Okay. <laughs> I'm running around the yard. I'm doing me. I'm gang banging. You know, I'm 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 the youngest in charge in the building. I'm doing me. I'm you know I'm working now. Body looking crazy. Like I was just my whole mentality was jail. When I came home, I was like, <gasps> you know, it's like a facade. Had. It's like I took that shit off and was like, oh. My God, thank you, God. You know, just started crying. Then when I went in this time, I had to put up my pants. 
I had to man up. Everything that came to me, every vocation that came to me, I was taking. Plus, I left the gang life alone. So that was another thing, you know, that stopped me, that hindered me from doing a lot of things because that gang shit, you know? Like, I'll be in the yard. I, yo, it's crazy. Like, I'll be in Kasaki. To, I, like, I'll be in Kasaki right now on a Monday. Tuesday, I'm on the draft going to Upstate Box. Mm. You know? The following, uh, I finish my little box time, I go to the next jail. Probably there, maybe a month. It's a ride. Boom. I'm packing my stuff. I'm going to the next spot. You know? That's how I was moving throughout the state. I've been in jails two, three times already. Okay. <laughs> that's crazy. You know? Because that's how I was moving. If I ain't feel right, I'm out. You know? I get there and the tension is like that. I'm already sharpening something up. I'm getting, I'm getting to it. I go right outside and I pack my bags. I just, I leave, I, I leave my information right there on the bag. You know, I get my boy yo and call my mother, man, tell her, yo, I'm going to the box. You know? Wow. That's it. You know, whatever happened, happened after that. But th- so my on my second, like I, on my second term, I, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I learned um I guess from being in the streets, because I had a period of time, I was out for a few years, and I, getting that taste of that freedom, that shit opened me up. Okay. Being able to have a driver's license, being able to have my own apartment. Being able to have my car. At that time, I had my own, I had my own business. Oh. You know, yeah, I had my own That's business. Um, I was traveling the world. Like, fuck that gang shit. Like, yeah. I'm really living life. Like, I'm really making money. I'm paying taxes. You know, I'm looking good. Like, everything is like... And then going right back to jail for some bullshit. That shit, that shit. Yo, I was so thirsty to get out this time. So the first time... Well, I ain't gonna say the first time. The first, last times, few years that I did in prison before, it didn't affect me. Okay. It didn't affect me because that's how I was already. Tra- I was already trained. Yeah. Like people used to be like, like we. Now you could tell when the first person first get locked up, they in the bullpens. You could tell they like they, they they mind going through like a million things. For me, it was normal. I come back in, yo, what's good? The CEO like you, yo, see it, you. Yo, man, stop playing me. Yo, you know I can't be in here. Yo, you know I can't be in here with dudes, man. Ah, we got you. We gonna get you moved out. You know, put me in a different cell. You know, it, it, I was a, you know, I was accustomed to that already. You know, yeah. which was sad. You know, you was conditioned. Yeah, I was, I was, pro, I was institutionalized. I was yeah. programmed just to. This is what I. This, this what it was. I already had the razor, boofed and, and you know, and all kind of shit. You know, like I was already, I was already programmed for this. So, but the second time around, I learned a lot. I took all the vacation to schools. I got my GED. My bro Sandy was there. Shout out to Sandy. I took college courses. Um, what else? I was uh, helping the brothers down with puppies behind bars. PBB, okay. um, yeah. I was doing. I was doing a lot of positive things, man. Like I reached out. I, I, you know, I went to church. Like I always. That's one thing too, man. Let me not forget about. You know, let me not forget about, about um, the almighty man. Because I always went to church in prison. Even when I was messing up and doing what I was dibbling and dabbling. I always went to church, yo. I always prayed to God, man. And matter of fact, yesterday was the day the um, Virgin Mary, the Guadalupe. You see the picture I sent you? Yeah, definitely. So yesterday is her birthday. So yesterday I already sat there at midnight the night before. And was like, you know, had my music for her, the mariachis. And I was thanking her. And it's funny that we sitting here now, oh, because I was thinking, I was like, I remember times I used to cry out to her, man. Wow. 
and be like, please, Lord, don't let me come outside this cell, man. Somebody try to kill me, man. You know, like, because that's how that's how it was. It was like, you know, yeah. we was, they was really going to war. Like, right, Zion and all that stuff. People was really going to war. And I was like, please, Lord, don't let me. St-. If they going to cut me, man, let them cut me in my neck or something. Let them cut me in my face. Like, you know, like, but I used to really talk to God, like, a lot, man. Like, I, I always, man. But, yeah, I can't forget about him. You know, so I always did the religious thing. I've always been involved. That's how I'm involved right now with Thrive for Life because in prison, they was coming to see us in retreats and that's how I got involved now. And now, look, I'm a staff member working for them. That's right. You know, amen to that. Amen. Okay, so what were you or are you grateful for after your release? Mm. I was, oh man, I was grateful. I was grateful that my parents were still together even though they don't really, you know, I don't know the kind of relationship they into, but you know, but they still together, right? They still together. I was just grateful for them. I was grateful to see my mother, you know, my pops, you know, just seeing their face again. And it was weird because this time it was like, you know, they already seen me come out before okay. numerous times. Yeah. So this time it was more like, like you done? <laughs> like, you, you, did you get it? Like, you know, did it register already? Like, you gonna stay home this time? So now, like I said, next month I'll be making four, 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 four years. So now my family, when they see me, they very happy of the things I accomplished since I've been home and the things that I'm doing now, you know? They're very happy for me, and that brings a lot of joy to me. And even last night when I was hanging out with the family, I had like two drinks. That was it, like two drinks, and I was eating more than anything. And um, when it was time to leave, my aunt, she looked at me and she was like, you driving? You sure? Because we can get you an Uber. I said, I'm good. I said, before, I would lie to you and say, yeah, I'm good, and go out there and then care and sleep in the car. But now, I'm good to tell you that I'm good, good. So when I look at somebody in their eyes and I tell them, I'm good, I'm good now. You know? Yeah, I really mean it. Like, I'm sincere with it now because I know the consequences behind a lot of things. And, like, since we started, it's all about choices. The decisions that we made, we got to make the right decisions because it's going to cost us in the long run. Right. And right now, every decision I'm trying to make is trying to be positive, productive, you know, just being real to myself, you know? That's right, that's right. Just being real to myself because if I don't be real to myself, man, it's going to come back and haunt me. Yeah. And it's going to hurt me, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, no, b- being real is a, a, a big part of of you becoming this person that you are. Yes. Because you can lie to yourself but so much. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you can lie to yourself but you can't lie to God mm-hmm. and you can't and you can lie to your family and they gonna believe it but honestly our higher power sees through all that yeah and you had to go through what you had to go through in order to become who you are mm-hmm. you know this whole experience has taught you a lot um, and I'm glad that you worked on yourself and did that introspection yeah while you was incarcerated mm-hmm. because without that not knowing who you are, because a lot of people don't take time to get to know who they are. Um, you fall short. Yeah. And it's just reality. You don't work on yourself, you're liable to fall short. You're liable to fall circumstance to anything. And that's another thing, oh, we have to man up to the plate and take advantage of all the good, good things that's in our hands. Like when I first came home, I took the coach, I took the therapy. I didn't take therapy like three times, you know, because I played myself the first two times. It was going in one ear, coming out the other. 
Like I wasn't trying to let it register. The third time, it kicked me. And I was like, oh shit. Like, for real? This thing right here got, got a hold of my life? <clears throat> like, nah. Time out. I'm stronger than that. I'm better than that. You know? So I had a man up to the plate. Just like recently, we had a, a group with therapy. With trauma. Trauma class. Mm-hmm. I had to remove myself from the trauma class. Because I already did the trauma class before. And it, it, and I ain't gonna lie to you. I did it to volunteer for leadership. Okay. Sh- so... It was the trauma class that we was taking. And it hit me because I was like, I just did this not too long ago. I don't feel I need to be sitting here. And like I was telling you, I was taking the class because I felt I wanted to do it for leadership, you know, to show brothers, if I could do it, you could do it too. So when she gave me these piece of papers, this booklet that I had to study, it opened up, she had, it's like I had like a lot of questions in it. And it opened up an old wound, you know? Like, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't feel right doing this, you know, no more. Like, why am I doing this? Like, that's not me no more. I don't need that no more, you know? I feel like I'm in a good space now in my life that I don't need to revisit those old wounds, you know? And that's what it did, so I had a call, and I'm like, yo, listen, I can't make it to no more of the classes no more, with all due respect, because it opened up a wound that I don't, I'm not trying to revisit that wound. You know, like I feel like I'm doing good in my life. I don't need that class. Now, if, I, if I'm if i falling and, you know, I'm getting out of line or, you know, I really need help, I will call, I will definitely call you. But I can't go back to them classes because, you know, I'm, I'm taking away the good for me, you know? I'm letting this old stuff come back to me, you know? You ask me questions about this and that and the third, like, I'm not trying to talk about that no more. I did that already. You know, I faced it. You know, that was something I had to get, you know, a little little hump I had to get over. And I got over it. You know, I don't think I need to revisit that and to go through that again. Like, you know, it wasn't it wasn't for me. But one thing I was saying, though, um, always that we need to take advantage of them classes and everything in life that they give us or they throw at us. I don't care if it's going to the opera. Let's do it. You know, let's do it. So you felt by you attending these classes that was bringing up old feelings and old memories that it was keeping you stagnant because by you reliving those memories, old feelings was coming back up and them old feelings was placing you in a mind state that had you feeling uncomfortable. Yes. It had me, it had me where I didn't want to be at. Okay. You know, like you see how we're sitting down right now, and I'm expressing myself right now. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing my story. I could do this without feeling a certain way yeah. or without, oh man, you know, I don't want to talk about that. Nah. When I'm in a trauma class, it's different because they asking me questions. You know, but the questions they're asking me is personal, deep, deep tissue, scar, you know, questions that I don't want to talk about, 
you know? But I have to talk about it with them in order for me to move on with my life. That's right. Because there's a lot of stuff that we hold in that we, we don't let out. And we ain't get over. We ain't get over. And we don't know how to get over. Exactly. So we bottle it up. Yes. And you have to let it go. That's right. Because when you let it go, it feels so good. It feels so wonderful. You feel so relief, you know? Because if you always hold it in, that shit gonna hold you back in life. You can't move on in life holding on to whatever it may be. You have to let that go in order for you to grow, you know? That's right. Yeah. So what organizations are you still involved with? Even after prison, um, are you still involved with? Well, I'm still going to church. Okay. But I haven't, due to the pandemic, I haven't been going. Attending church. Attending, excuse me. Um, I'm involved with this nonprofit organization called Thrive for Life. Shout out to Thrive. Shout it out. Um, I also get involved with NYU. Shout out. Shout, shout out, out to NYU. Shout out to NYU. Shout out to Rich. Shout out to Caitlin. <laughs> you know? Right. Shout out to them. Good people. Um, I'm also uh, be talking to the parole officers. They be coming once in a while. I talk to them just to give us our our, our point of views, you know, on what's happening here. Okay. You know, like uh, how, you know, how we live in Haney National House. You know, brothers that, you know, just got released from prison. How we're doing here, you know? Um, what are the challenges for us and things in that nature? Um, what other organizations I'm involved with? Uh, I'm also do uh, every every uh, Christmas Eve uh, with Sabina. I mean, we're not going to do it this year, though. We uh, give out food to the homeless. We cook and we give out the food that we cook. We give it out to the homeless, give out um, clothes. So, yeah. I do a few things. I do go. I'll do uh, motivational speeches here and there when they, when I go to uh, universities. It's been a while ago, but um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's amazing. Um, yeah. You know because being that we've been in situations where it's been compromised, for the most part, I've seen a lot of brothers come home and. Their main objective is to help others. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think that's the most the most humanity mm-hmm. um, or human humanitarian thing to do is to help someone else because of the way we were living at one point, yeah. which was very selfish of us. And to help someone else just to see someone happier or happy or just have something to eat or some clothes or, you know, just to help in general um, is a beautiful thing because there's so much people in this world that takes take things for granted. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the brothers coming home, they're not selfish. They, 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 they want to help. Yeah. Which is a beautiful thing, man. If if the world had a mindset like like that, it'd be a better place. But unfortunately, people are selfish and they don't care about the next person. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, a lot of brothers coming home, they they are putting others before themselves, yes. and and that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what what accomplishments would you like to accomplish now that you're home? Um, that's a question. That I gotta get stuck on because I'm just living my life day by day. Okay. Um, like as far as like getting my credit score right, 
my banking account, um, things like things in that, in that nature. Like I'm already, you know, kind of good with that stuff. So all I'm really doing is just like basically just living my life now, you know. Okay. Now I'm living it. Like now I'm like just breathing, enjoying. Yeah. So accomplishment. I mean, I guess if something comes along and I want to go, you know, um, fly off the the plane. I mean, you know, parrot, whatever. How you call it? Uh, Parachute. Parachute. Or uh, do something about, like oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe I'll do that. Like, you know, I think that was like in my bucket list. But accomplishment as far as like me going to school, like a lot of people want me to go back to school, but I'm like, mm. one thing I do want to accomplish though is I want to write a book. Okay. That I really want to do. Or I want to do something where it's involved in like, like, you know, helping the youth out, you know, before, you know, for them to make better decisions. Maybe, you know, me getting them across with them, talking to them, being real with them and let them know what it is. It could save their life, you know. That I want to get involved with, you know. That's like later something I, I, I've, I've been thinking about. But I definitely want to get my book out there. Like just, you know. And, and for me, it's going to be more about prison because I spent a lot of my years in prison. I mean, I, then I, later on, maybe I'll come out with a book about me here in the streets, you know, in the, yeah. in the world. But my main thing is like it was prison, you know. Grown, how, how was it growing up in prison, you know, as a young kid and then graduating and going right into DOC from the juvenile, from DFY, straight to DOC, and then just like, you know, just to share my experience with that. But uh, yeah, so accomplishments, I think I'm just going in by day by day. I'm just living. I'm just living, yeah, I'm just living. In a good way, though, you know, and just living life. Happy to be here, happy to spread the word, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm gonna ask you a question that I didn't write, but I just, mm-hmm. you know, um, just want to ask because um, I want to start implementing these questions uh, as we go. Um, you being a brother of Christ mm-hmm. and a, a brother of great wisdom, um, what do you prefer? Do you prefer to just live mm-hmm. or to exist? Mm-hmm. I prefer to exist. Okay. And your reasons why? Because living. You just living, you just there. You just you just going, you just going with the flow as you're living. Okay. Right? Just like right now when you ask me a question about accomplishments. Like I'm living, but I'm not just going with the flow. Yeah. I'm taking the flow. I'm running with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So living, that's living. But existence, I'm here. I'm present. You know, I'm somebody, you know? Like when I'm gone. That existence is gonna still be there. That's right. You know, That's they're gonna right. feel me. My my presence is gonna be it's felt. It's gonna be memorable. Exactly. So living is just like ah, he just living, you know. And you know, like I forgot who said it, but somebody said I think it was uh oh, it was uh the brother Brian T. He said they'll mourn you. He said he said they'll kill you in a day, and they'll mourn you less than a month. You know, like within less than a month, you've forgotten already. Like they don't even know who you was no more. Yeah. You know? Like how many people, like we don't even go to graveyards. You know, we don't even go to the graveyards to go visit our peoples. And he did, spiritually. They gone. Yeah. We don't even take the time out to go see them. We forgot about them already. You know? They might be here. Like you might see pictures and stuff like that. But, you know, that's just, you know, you don't want to just be living. You want to be. You want to exist. You want to exist. You want to leave a legacy. Yeah, you want to exist, man. You, you want people to remember you for the good you've done. Yeah. And not for the bad you've, exactly. you, you've committed. Um, they can use the bad into good. That's right. You know? That's right. And see use that transition. Use my force. Exactly. Transitions. Exactly. Amen. 
So this section is called market yourself. Um, what what are you what are you promoting or marketing um, about yourself? I know you said you you want to put out a book. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you can talk about that. Um, you can talk I about can tell anything. You the title the title is going to be called La Vida de un Preso. Wow. That's the title of my book, La Vida de The Life Preso. of a Prisoner. That's right. That's the name of my book. Um, and marketing myself, I'm just saying that I'm handy. Okay. <laughs> in all aspects. You definitely is. Yeah. In all you aspects. Definitely are. You definitely are. <laughs> in all aspects. And I'm a survivor. So whatever they put me in, wherever they put me in, I don't care. They put me in Alaska. I'm a survive. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Okay. So now this is the last question. Now this question, um, I ask everybody mm-hmm. because I I personally feel it's one of the most important questions that I ask. It's important as all the other questions. So the question is, what would you tell the children not to do if they were to go down the same lane you went down? I would tell the youth to stop and think. I would tell the youth it's not worth it. I would tell the youth learn from our mistakes. I would tell the youth, if they listening to this, to love and cherish their parents their values you know to have morals principles I would tell the youth that this is not the road to go I would tell the youth that freedom is a must I would tell the youth that it's not a game when your life is on the line it's not a game when you have a judge parole officers CEOs on top of you supervising you I would tell the youth to love they self, I would tell the youth to really think about their life. You know, to think about every every move they're gonna make. And most definitely, I would tell the youth to believe in God, man. Truly. Amen. Amen. That was very poetic. Thank you. Um, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. That, that sounded. Very poetic. Very poetic. Coming out the album. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty good, man. That was a, a strong message to end uh, this podcast. And uh, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Omar. Thank you for having me here. You know, I hope and pray that, you know, this goes far, far, far. And people really take heed to these words that he have every brother here speaking, that y'all really listen you know, and reach out to the brother Omar. He's a great brother. Thank you, man, for having me. I appreciate it. It's definitely been a blessing. Thank you uh, for making time and your busy schedule because you're a busy person. I'm, I'm uh, busy. You know, busy. Uh, you know, one of the first people that I had in mind when I was creating this podcast. <laughs> um, so, you know, I thank you for uh, making time and your schedule. You heard? So, um, this is the conclusion of this podcast, which is part two of um, my brother uh, Italo Sanchez's uh, story. So, I would like to say thanks to everyone who is listening to my podcast. Thanks to every organization that has helped me and a brother change our perspective in Absolutely. life. 
A quick shout out to Osborne, AVP, mm-hmm. Pace, Network, mm-hmm. NYU's Prison Education Program, Pep, Rich, Rachel, Caitlin, Alejandra, Jose, Jesus, mm-hmm. Ayuba, and all the other brothers that are striving for education. I want to shout out Drive for Life slash Ignacio House, uh, the founder. Brother Zach, well, Deacon Zach now, Deacon. Um, Sebastian, the brother Talo Sanchez, and everyone that's uh, making this uh, project complete. And remember, no one wants to do time, but we all need time. And I'm going to say this again. No one wants to do time, but we all need time. Now, give it, give it a good Give it a good thought about what that means and whatever that means. As long as it's positive, that's what it means. Good night. Peace and blessings. And I'm out of here. Love y'all. If no one told you they love you, just know that I love you. God loves you. And take care.